Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. overwhelmed tonight and I'm overwhelmed because Good Friday is good. It's so good that it's really even hard to speak about. How do you speak about something that is so good that it is beyond our human understanding? I think one day when we get home, And we get to be with Jesus. We get to look into his eyes. We get to sit at his feet and listen to his stories. Only then will we understand how good Good Friday is. As Ra said, it's the greatest day in the Christian calendar that we have. I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning, Good Friday, and I always feel like this sense of reverence is in the air. I just feel it's holy. It's, It's a holy day. You know, even it's so holy that even the shops close. Even the unbelievers who do not believe in Jesus still honor and pay homage to his name. They might just think it's a good excuse to have a four-day weekend, but we all know that they're giving honor and respect to him, and I love that. I just love that. You know, I was thinking today about my story and... It seems like yesterday, you know, just yesterday, but it was a long time ago. I remember I was about 24 years of age and I'd gone back to my hometown after being away many, many years from my home. And you say, Julie, you're only 24 years of age. How many years could you have been away from home? A long time. I started out in the world when I was 14, left school started work, I was traveling overseas, producing shows by the age of 17, and uh, I'd lived a lot of life by 24. And when I was 24 years old, after I'd had an encounter with the Lord that I'm going to tell you about a little later, I was sent back to my hometown in Canley Heights, in the western suburbs of Sydney. And I was sitting out on the front porch of my mum and dad's old house. And I said, God, why have you sent me back here? And in a vision, I saw this little girl with a Bible. And I said, God, I could never have had a Bible. I never owned a Bible. My house was, we weren't Bible people. In fact, my dad was so angry at the church because he'd been brought up a strict Catholic and being, you know, had some hard times. There couldn't have been a Bible, God. But in the vision, I saw a little girl about eight years old and she had this white Bible and she was kissing it and she was holding it. She was cleaning it, making sure it was clean. And I thought... Well, if there's something in this house that's a book, it will still be here because my dad's a hoarder of books. So I went out into this garage that was just, the the walls were laden with books. 
laden with books. It was four shelves deep and four shelves around. Couldn't even fit a car in there. There were so many books. And I went up to a shelf and I just pulled one book out. And right there behind that book was a now very creamy looking Bible. First place I went. And I pulled this Bible out, smelt it, remembered the smell of it, opened the pages, and it said to Julie from your daddy on your eighth birthday. I don't remember having a Bible, knew nothing about having a Bible, but there it was. And I hung on to that Bible and I held it close to my chest again. And I thought, this time, I'm going to find out what's written in here about me. This Bible was given to me at eight years of age by a lady who was a scripture teacher at my dad's work. And she went up to my dad and she said, I had a dream last night about one of your children. He said, I've got six children. Which child? And he said, she said, the middle one. And he said, Julie. She said, yes, it was Julie. I had a dream about Julie, your middle child, and you have to buy her a Bible. And my dad said, I'm not having that thing in my house. And she said, well, you'll be cursed if you don't. Because I've heard from God, and God wants her to have a Bible. And my dad told me that this lady harassed him like every day for weeks till just to shut her up. He thought it's her birthday anyway. I'll buy one. And he bought me a Bible for my eighth birthday. And the lady wrote on a slip of paper and slipped it in that Bible, Micah 5.4, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord God Almighty. Do you ever wonder if there is a destiny in your life, if if there is a purpose to your life rather than just existence. You see, there are many stories in this life. There's this story. And then there's your story. And what I want to ask you tonight is, do those stories line up? Is there a place where your story meets his story and you make history together? Because every single human being was designed and created with a purpose and a destiny on the very inside of their being. Just like any story We need to start at the beginning of the story to understand this story and understand our story and how the two fit together. And this Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created land and water and animals and trees and he Fill the earth with beautiful flowers and, and fragrance and beauty. But then 
right in the middle of his story. He takes what he calls the crown of all his creation. He takes what he calls very good. The man and the woman. And he plants them right in the middle of the story that he was writing. See, God was the producer of a great movie, a great story. And he needed leading roles. Mankind, that would start with Adam and Eve. But he didn't need puppets and he didn't need, he didn't need people that would just do things because they had to. This whole creation, this whole story had to come out of love. It had to come out of, because God is love. It's not that God loves. It's that God is love. And so because God is love, the whole story had to come out of love. And because it came out of love, then it had to come with choice. It had to come with free will. And God said, I've given you all this, all of this, and it's your choice, really, if you want to be in my story or if you want to write your own story. You can choose. That's how much I love you. I'm giving you that freedom. And we all know that Adam and Eve chose to write their own story. But the problem with their own story was that it separated them from God where they would walk in the garden with God in the early hours of the morning, where they would walk with God and they would have this communion with God, where there was a God that would look into the deep, most inner parts of their being, where there was a God who knew them so intimately, where there was a God that saw everything that they were and understood everything about their most innermost parts of their being. Suddenly they're separated now God is distant and they're alone. Sound like anybody's life to you? Like it sounded like mine, I tell you. I wrote this down last night. It said, when I was young, I looked for a shape for things, a reason, a design. So much of what happened to me, though, felt like just an accident. It was, like, it was like I was on this merry-go-round merry of circumstances that would just throw me off every now and again. And my life just seemed to be an accident, an accident, one after the other, just a series of accidents, sometimes opportunities. But everything seemed to be out of control. Nothing seemed to have a storyline to it. It just seemed to be here and then there and then here and then there and then hurt and then pain and then disappointment and then tragedy. And it seemed like there was no purpose yet inside of me. I felt there was a purpose. I felt there was a design. I felt like there was a shape to me. I used to say, I feel as if I have so much love to give, but I've yet to find a world to give it to. And I remember sitting, you know, quietly, just 
as a child, just playing with rocks and not even wanting to interact with other people and just wanting to be in my own world because I felt like in my own world, I could understand myself and I could work things out. But as soon as I interacted with other people, it seemed to get messed up. And so I locked myself away in a cocoon of safety. A cocoon where people couldn't hurt me anymore. A cocoon where abuse couldn't come in anymore. A cocoon of safety. A little girl trapped inside a world of disillusionment and locked away. But I learned that even though I couldn't interact with people on an earthly level, that if you could put me on a stage, then I could perform. And I learned to create for myself from a very, very young age an alter ego. This personality, this person, this persona that I would be when I was on the stage. I started professional show business. Started, that means that professional is when you get paid for what you do. I started professional show business from the age of about eight years old. I'd go to school during the day, television work weekends. There'd be lots of working afternoons, shows and commercials and, you know, lots of stuff. And as I said, I only got to about 14 years of age and left school and went full-time into show business. Some of you would remember shows like Mike Walsh Show. I'm talking to the more mature people in the room now. Don Lane Show, Donnie Sutherland. I sung and danced with Johnny O'Keefe. Traveled around most of the globe, producing and choreographing, you know, my own shows with at least 20, 30 people in the cast that at 17 years of age, I would know how to pay for airfares, book hotels, um, deal with shonky managers, and on occasion, address the Chinese mafia myself to get money that they owed us. There was something inside of me that because I had locked away and hidden from a little girl, I'd learnt to be tough and strong and resilient in a world that could hurt me, but I would never let it get close enough to hurt me. Therefore, I just kept everything at a distance. The world was my stage and everyone was my audience. And that was fine with me. And so I would go on to the stage. I would perform. It would be like a great high. Most entertainers will tell you that. It's the greatest high you can you can get when you're on the stage and you feel like you're a somebody, you feel like you, you, you know, you're achieving something. But it's all make-believe. And then I would walk off the stage, go to a lonely hotel room, take the makeup off, sit in front of a mirror with self-hatred and despise my life and everything in it. I never wanted to look in the mirror at my eyes because what I saw in my eyes was pain and rejection and, and turmoil and abuse. 
And I saw the prison walls when I looked in my eyes, so I never looked in them, just stayed away from them. I was happy when I was on the stage because I could be her when I was on the stage and they loved me. The applause would keep me going. The accolades would keep me going. As soon as I was off the stage and I had to face the real me, it was so lonely. There were no friends in show business. In fact, there were no friends my whole life. From the age of eight, we were on the stage. I never got to play on normal kids' playgrounds, never got to ride a push bike, never got to play with kids in the street. It was just work, 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 grow up, grow up, grow up. And so I missed out on all of that. It was such a, a rip-off, really. But in amidst all that, in amongst all of that, there was a plan. There was a purpose. There was a reason. There was a design. There was a shape for my life. I just had to find it. I just had to find it, that's all. I remember the day I was, I'd come off stage another time, the applause of the people, and even the applause of the people wasn't even enough now. It was just like, oh, be quiet. Like, I'd go back to my lonely hotel room again to be by myself. And I remember just crying out. If there is a God, if, if there is a God, if there is a God, if there is someone out there, if there's something out there. You know, I'm so lonely. I'm so alone. Is there anyone who knows me? I remember seeing a movie called Avatar. Who remembers that movie? And there was a little greeting they had for each other when they met with each other in their language. And they would say, I see you. But the true meaning of that I see you was I see into you. I see into you, I get you. I see your soul, I see into you. And I remember being in that room and crying out, is there anyone who sees into me? Is there anyone who actually sees me? I know a lot of people look at me. That's my job. I get paid for people to look at me. And they look at me all day and all night and they applaud me and it's great. But is there one person in that whole crowd that has ever actually tried to look in here and see me and find me and know me? And I remember sitting in that hotel room on that bed crying out, God, do you see me? Do you know me? Does anyone know me? And then I remembered that there was a book in the drawer. Now, mind you, I hadn't found the book back home yet. This is years before. 
And I opened the drawer and there in, in the drawer was a Gideon's Bible. And I looked at it and I felt destiny screaming to me. There's something in this. There's something in here. I'm in here. I don't know how. I don't know what. I never heard the gospel. I was 21 years of age. No Christian had ever spoken to me. I had never heard the name of Jesus preached to me ever. But I looked at this book. I said, there's something in this book. I didn't open the pages and read it. I just put it to my chest. And I held it like some childhood memory that had been long gone. And I curled up in a fetal position on that bed and I would just begin to rock. Just begin to rock. And as I'm laying there rocking, I feel this warmth go into my body. Out of this book. There's warmth going into my body. I'm thinking this is a trick. There's, there's something going on. Why, why would it's not hot? I put it back on my chest. Warmth goes into my body. My whole body starts to be warm. I'm thinking, what is this? And I hear this voice inside my head say, this is liquid love. This is the love you've searched for your whole life. And I curled up with this book. I don't understand this. I don't get this. But I never, ever want to come out of this feeling, ever. And I fell asleep and slept probably for the first time. I can remember sleeping since I was five years old because of the nightmares and the fears and the abuse I'd suffered as a child I couldn't sleep and I held on to this book and I slept I slept like a baby in its mother's womb I was safe somehow I was home and I didn't understand where home was but I knew it was in this book I knew it was in this story When I woke up, I felt a presence in the room with me. And at first I was afraid. And I turned around to see what was there. And as I spun around, the whole side of the room, the whole side of the room was lit up with the most brilliant white light you could ever see. I was almost blinded by this light. And in the middle of this light, Smiling down at me was the most beautiful face I'd ever seen in my life. His hair was white as wool. His eyes were blue, like the ocean. It's like, it was like looking into an ocean and never seeing the end of it. His lips were kind and gentle, forgiving and embracing, knowing. I wondered who he was. I honestly wondered who he was. And he said this to me, not with words from his mouth, but it was like spirit to spirit. He spoke. He said, speak my name and you will be saved. 
And I was about to say, I don't know your name. But somewhere deep inside of me, somewhere in that little girl experience, somewhere in that old white Bible, there was a story that brewed inside of me. And from way down deep inside of me came these words. as I spoke his name I began to cry and I hadn't cried since I was 15 years of old I bowed when I was 15 years of age that I would never cry again and I cried too much and I began to cry and cry and cry and cry it was like I was sobbing and he said to me cry my child cleanse your soul cry my child cleanse your soul I felt with every tear, with every, every, every cry, it was like the years of pain and torment were just being peeled off me like an onion. It was like, it was like his hand was upon me. It was like his love was upon me. And he looked into my eyes. He looked into my eyes. And I looked into his eyes. He could see me. He could see me. He wasn't looking at me. He could see me. It was like my life went back to when I was in my mother's womb. Like that. And he saw every day, every day of my life. Psalm 139 says, every day of my life was written in his book before one of them came to pass. Every day of my life was written in his book before one of them came to pass. seen him. I have seen him. I have seen the one my soul loves. I have seen Jesus. And I want to tell you tonight that he is so real. He is here right now. And even though you can't see him with your natural eyes, he is here right now. The Bible says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. From that moment forward, I found my story. Instead of trying to write my own story, started to immerse myself in his story and find out who I was through the pages that he'd already written. 
I found my destiny and my purpose. Micah 5.4, you shall stand and feed your flock in the strength of the Lord God Almighty. He told me when I was eight years old that I'd be a pastor. Your life is in his hands. Your destiny is in his hands. This Good Friday, the best thing you can do is to be born again. So that through being born again, the old has passed away and the new has come. You say, Julie, what happened to you on that night? I didn't have any theological reasoning for what happened to me. I didn't find out till three or four years later that I actually got born again that night. I had no language for it. All I knew was, I believed in him and he is real. Hallelujah. How do you find the story of your life? How do you how do you stop writing your own story and enter into the greatest story ever written through the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ that washes you clean of all your sin? And allows you to be born again into the true story. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ra. Wow. Isn't it beautiful to hear a story, God's story in people's lives? Man, you can come up and... I find it fascinating. I really do. I find it fascinating to, to hear how God has worked in different people's lives because he moves differently with every single individual. And uh, I became a Christian when I was 24 years of age, 16 years ago. And uh, my life was a little different, but much the same. I wasn't into showbiz by any means. Good head for radio, they say. But... um. But I remember that I was a kind of, I was a pretty naughty kid and I'd, I'd get into a lot of trouble. Grew up in a very sort of naughty background, uh, upbringing, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm playing it down a bit, so give me a bit of grace here. I was quite a naughty kid and I found that I'd, I'd, I'd do wrong things and I'd always, did you do that? Even as a young guy, no, I didn't do that. And I'd, and I'd cover it up and I'd lie and I'd, you know, did you do that? No, I didn't do that. No, that was my sister. Or that was my brother. Who's ever done that? Come on, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Did you do that? No, no, no. And I, and I found that, that I that I grew up uh, learning how to how to how to. I just learned how to cover all the things that I've done wrong. I cover them. Did you do that? And instead of saying, "Yeah, that was me," I'd, I'd cover it up. Say, oh no, that was my sister again. You know, she's so bad. And did you do that? And I, and I, and I learned from you know I learned from an early age that 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 how to how to cover up all these things and and. And I think um, as I grew older, I, 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 I'd done quite a few things that I wasn't, um, I wasn't proud of. I'd done a few things that I, I didn't want anyone else to hear about, so I covered them up. And, I, and, and I'd, I'd cover up all these things that I'd done in my world. And I think we've all, if we're to be honest, we've all done something that we're not too proud of. And we've all done something that, that we, we hide. We don't really want other people to see. You know, we've done these little sins, but 
I love the good thing about Easter Friday is that, is that Jesus didn't come to cover up our sins. He came to remove them completely. Isn't that awesome? Jesus didn't come to cover it up like the old days. No, no, He came to remove them completely. All your sins from your past, all your sins from the present, all your sins from the future, God said, no, no, no. I died on a cross to remove them completely. Amazing. I love that. I love that. That's why I love Easter, because it reminds me of how good our God is. It reminds me of the good news of the gospel, that a man, a woman, whoever you are, who didn't deserve it, God says, no, no, I'm going to die on a cross for you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, without a second thought, you know, I'm going to die on a cross for you. And, And that is the good news of the gospel that we now can come into relationship with God because this thing called sin has been removed. And it's removed simply by just saying a prayer. It's just, just saying, asking. God, Jesus, just ask. He says, come down and ask. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you. All you got to do is ask. Ask for my forgiveness. How easy is that? He says, just come and ask. Come and ask. It's a simple process. Just say, God, forgive me. You know, that's, that's it. And, and I'll be honest with you. I've done this. I've... I've I've been up here a few times and I've been around a few years that it, 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 it kind of baffles me how people still deny the work of the cross. You know, it's so simple. You could have everything wrong, all the sins that you've done all through, you know, throughout your entire life. You know, it could be removed in just a, just a second, just a, just a little prayer. But people, no, 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 it's not for me, mate. You know, nah. it's not, they, they, they reject the work of the cross. And it, and it, it amazes me. It really does because because God sent His only begotten Son to die for you. He sent His only beloved to die for you. He says, and and I've made it so simple. All you've got to do is ask for forgiveness and I'll give it to you. I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to say something. God's heart is that nobody leaves here tonight. God's heart, not mine. God's way, God has been waiting for this opportunity for years. I don't know where, what your background is, I don't know, but he's maneuvered things so that you would be here tonight and you would hear what I've got to say, is that God loves you and he died on a cross to remove the sin from your life that you could have a relationship with him. Me? You don't know, yeah, yeah no, you. But I've done, yeah, I know he'll remove that. But I've done, yeah, he'll remove that too. I've done some things, trust me. None of us are perfect here. We've all done some things, amen? Yeah, amen. But Jesus, his, the, the cost, the price that was paid, covers it all. Covers it all. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes, please. I'm going to ask, and I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to say a simple prayer with me. I'll help you through it. But I'm going to invite you to say a simple prayer with me. And as the Bible says, God will remove. If you ask for forgiveness, He says, I'll I'll forgive you. And I want to invite people to do that tonight. I want to invite people to say, yeah, you know, I haven't had a life with Jesus, but, you know, I I want this clean slate. I want this life where everything's from my past is gone. I want to live a new life. I want to be a new creation. I want to live this life, as Pastor Julie said, and his story and my story going together. I I want to create history with Jesus. And it's simple. It is so simple. You've just got to ask. So I'm going to give you the opportunity. Now. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to ask tonight. 
you would like to receive Jesus Christ into your heart, if you would like to receive the Lord of Lords, you would like to live the rest of your days with Him walking alongside you, within you, then why don't you just raise your hand so that's me. I'd like to do that. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.